Today's TribCast is presented by Texas Tech University, celebrating the eighth year of record enrollment with a fall class of 36,551 students. Learn more at today.ttu.edu. Texas Talking Ball. What was that that you said? Texas Talking Ball. Gonna hoop upside your head. Texas Talking Tell me who can you trust when Texas guys are Texas Hi everyone, this is Rolando Pablo, Secretary of State of the great state of Texas. And now that the 85th legislature is up and running, sort of, I'd like to take this opportunity to gavel in this week's TripCast. And now, here's your host, Patrick Svitek. Thank you. This is Patrick Svitek here with the TripCast for the 18th of January. I'm filling in for Emily Ramshaw, and I'm joined by CEO Evan Smith. What's up, meet? Good afternoon. <laughs> Do you know what that refers to? No, we went over I, this. I don't think I want to, no. <laughs> also joined me. Exhibit one in the harassment lawsuit. <laughs> I'm drafting oh, it now. I, he didn't yeah. know who Nuke Lelouch was, so it's just a, I guess it was a hockey player, which I felt like is a good, a good guess. Although, honestly, you know what? That's not a bad guess. That is yeah, a really yeah, good yeah, yeah, yeah. guess. Uh, also joined by political editor Aman Bathija. Hello. And I'm also joined by reporter Alexa Uda. Hi. Do you know who Nuke Lelouch is? No. Okay. Don't don't start with the shaming. This is the litmus test for <laughs> TribCast participation. Bull, bull Durham shaming is, is usually part of the, the agreement. Sure. Yeah. Uh, before we begin, I just want to remind our Facebook audience that you can weigh in with questions at any time, and we will try our best to answer them. All right, so let's uh, start with some news of the day. Uh, just, I think, less than an hour ago, uh, House Speaker Joe Strauss uh, wrapped up a speech to the Texas Association of Business, and he spoke uh, rather extensively about the bathroom bill that we've all been talking about. Um, he said lawmakers need to be very careful about um, doing anything that could make the state less competitive economically, uh, referring to the bathroom bill there. Um, you know, in my view, the way I saw this was his most extensive uh, remarks yet, kind of throwing cold water on the bill. We know that he's called this not a priority for his, uh, for himself. Um, I'll start with Alex. I know you've been following this debate very closely. Um, I'm sure you saw what Strauss said uh, this morning. Does, you know, his remarks, do they change this debate at all? I mean, I don't know. He, you know, he took a veiled jab at the bill in, in his opening remarks to the chamber after he was reelected last week and said, you know, we should be focusing on economic legislation that invites uh, opportunity to the state, not turn it away. And but, you know, I, I think this is definitely the most clear he's been in his opposition. I, I found it interesting that he was saying, you know, this is personal and this is based mm -hmm. off of my district. I'm not speaking for House members. Uh, I, I don't know that that actually changes anything. Politically, I mean, mm -hmm. we're still going to see the whether it gets out of the Senate or not. We're still going to see members of the House that want it and some who don't. Yeah, I don't know that it changes much there, but at least he's on record saying. Sure, it, it changes exactly zero votes, right? The the people in the House yeah. who are having to decide on this are deciding on it not based on what the Speaker says, but based on what their voters back home say. Our polling, as we've pointed out, as well as Lieutenant Governor's own polling, suggests that the state is generally for this bill, right? That the, the polling is on the side of those who support this legislation. But the business community's opposition, which Speaker Strauss is obviously re referencing, or at least he's aligning with in the sense that there's um, economic harm potentially to come to the state, is going to weigh heavily as well on the minds of these legislators, I think. It's, um, this, this is gonna be a really interesting uh, vote counting exercise. I'm not aware Absolutely. of a, a great number of Republican members of the 
legislature who have showed their hand on this in the negative, except maybe for Sarah Davis. I think Sarah Davis may be formally uh, out as opposed to this, but it's going to no be really intended. No, no, not at all. It's it's going to be hard for um, for people to get too far out on this without. Yeah. You know, it, it, it it's it's a it's a huge. It's a huge mess. Is it possible it doesn't even reach the House floor? Sure, it's possible. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Sure, it's possible. Yeah, I think so, too. I mean, yeah. it, it's not often that you see the business community come out so just like, I mean, right. from weeks ago, even before this was right. filed. And let's, and let's stipulate that Dan Patrick has basically called bullshit on every objection yeah. to, that the business community and those who, who foresee economic doom, he has said, None of that's proven. Mm-hmm. The stuff in North Carolina is either unproven or we're being misled about what happened there. There's really no yeah. there's no threat. And by the way, if a bunch of liberal college presidents in the NCAA, yeah. he said, mm-hmm. want to try to tell Texas what to do, they'll see that we don't respond to that kind yeah. of Yeah. And I thought Strauss this morning framed it as well as he could. Um, he spoke kind of not as much as the House Speaker, but as a state representative from the San Antonio area, which is getting the final four. Has well, not, not even San Antonio, but specifically sure. his, his yeah. schmancy legislative district, mm-hmm. which in that respect is similar to Sarah Davis's schmancy legislative district. You know, schmancy. there's yeah. a, certain, a certain kind of representative representing a schmancy legislative district is going to have a point of view on this. But the reality is, Strauss doesn't even vote typically on these bills, right? Isn't that true that the speaker very rarely casts a vote Usually as an individual? It's, it's when he wants to make a real point. Right. He'll, so it would so be, he'll, it would, he'll, he'll vote on the budget probably. It would yeah. be telling if Strauss if Strauss put in on this, but ultimately— Assuming Strauss, it gets to the House floor. Yeah. But if you interpret that Strauss has yeah. no vote on this, that no vote may not even be an actual no vote, mm-hmm. right? Because he may not vote. Yeah. One thing that stood out to me too, and a lot of other reporters caught, he had a line in that uh, his remarks this morning where he said that um, something to the effect of, if Governor Abbott weighs in on this, this that can make a big difference in this debate. To me, that was honestly, as someone who's been following the politics of this for a while, that was the boldest part of the speech in some Abbott ways. Abbott shade? It was, throwing it was, shade. Yeah. <laughs> it was on, off, kind of offhanded, but it was... Uh, I definitely applied some pressure to Abbott, who has not publicly commented on this bill since it's been uh, released. And he's, you know, he was strongly opposed to, uh, in, in favor of repealing Hero in Houston. Yeah, I mean, he, he definitely was vocal about that. He, I don't think he was as involved as Dan Patrick was or in, Ken Paxton in that fight. Yeah. But I mean, he, he I think def- it was just a tweet or two maybe from yeah, Abbott, yeah, but he, but he definitely at least said this is where I stand on it or yeah. this is just my position on it, and he hasn't done that with with SB six since it, it was filed. Isn't he cautious generally, Patrick? You cover him, you know that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that in debates, hot button debates like these, he's going to choose to be very surgical about uh, when and how he weighs in with a firm position. Um, you know, I think politically, this issue is just a big stink bomb in the context uh, of a wedge issue in the context of a Republican primary electorate. I think given, um, you know, there's not a lot of rumbling about challenges uh, to Abbott from the right in 2018. But this, this you know, this could be an issue if it continues well, to could you, so imagine, like let, this. Let's, let's uh, uh, do kind of like fan fiction, right? So mm-hmm. Abbott your, comes Your best part, you know, my, my your best pastime, your my hobby. favorite thing in the world. Abbott comes out against this bill. It puts Abbott squarely against Dan Patrick. Absolutely. I know yeah. this is yeah. Lois Colcourse's bill, and, yeah. but this is Dan but, Patrick's. But this is Dan Patrick's bill. So Abbott comes out against it. I mean, there are three scenarios here. One is he stays quiet about it. The second is he supports it. And the third is he opposes it. I don't think that gradations really matter here. Yeah. If he's a little for it, he's for it. It's like being a little pregnant, right? So so if he comes out out against it, if he comes out against it, then he and Dan Patrick are at loggerheads on what is the signature blow-up to capital issue of the session. If he's quiet and it fails, he will get blamed for it. He'll get blamed for not for not having spoken up. If, if he just lets it 
you know, hash out in the between the House and Senate, and it dies. You know, my my my, my sense of this, you all may have a, a a different view of this. My sense is that this passes the Senate. Oh sure. And well, if actually, it has, there are, I should say Ross Ramsey is he's qu- he's questioning whether it's going to have the votes. Yeah. I'm going to just and, and Dan Patrick would not guarantee you that the mm-hmm. in your right. conversation I mean, he said with Dan that there was, he, he wouldn't, but he also said two years ago at that very conversation, I'm not sure that we have the votes for campus carry. You know, I mean, open carry, yeah. right? Yeah. So or open carry. So I, 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 pred- I let's just say that the Senate has the votes. If it gets over to the House and it doesn't get out of calendars, doesn't get to the floor, doesn't get a vote, dies in the House, it's hard to blame. Abbott. If unless he's completely quiet. Unless you unless you think that they're going to say, well, if Abbott had only put pressure on these guys, laid on these people guys, people will absolutely would, say that. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I mean, the, the big question for Abbott is, does the political noise reach a volume where it's he can it forces his hand and he has to get into this debate? He has to wade in. I mean, I don't think we're there yet from yeah. Abbott's does perspective. Does the, the, the grassroots folks in the House who may be loudest in support of this bill have the numbers to pressure? The speaker pressured the chairs. I mean, they couldn't even get a vote on regulating bathrooms in the Capitol. A part of that was that there was a point of order on on that amendment on the second day of the legislature. But so great. I mean, clearly, well, give, give me a, give me a. Was it, uh, was it written in your fan fiction? A, a, a poo on pee. That's how I I love oh, that. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, Ed's... hardly the first person to make that joke, there, pal. <laughs> Never going to read your fan fiction. Yeah. It's pretty bad fan fiction. Yeah. We, we should know, just for the sake of a balance, Ken Paxson did address the TAB conference yesterday and kind of provided the pro side of the bathroom bill argument. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. He made he a strong case, right? He did not speak as extensively for it as Strauss spoke uh, extensively, I want to say against it, but extensively urging caution on it. Um, but Ken Paxson did speak yesterday, and you know he said it's, it's going to be – he assured them it's, quote, not going to apply to businesses – um, you know, he said that it's going to be very narrowly focused, and he said he, yeah. you know, really urged him to listen to the concerns of the parents he's at least uh, spoken to about this issue. So we should note that he kind of played bathroom bill surrogate yesterday to this this conference. I mean, Ken Paxton, who was challenging similar guidelines yeah. in court over yeah. this. I mean, he seems like a natural ally for Dan Patrick on this, given his his litigation. So, yeah. Okay. Do we have a question? <laughs> we have a lot of questions. Wow. Um, all right. Come on, host. All right. So first question is on Facebook is from a Pat. Uh, before the politicians made this a problem, can anyone tell me where transgender people went to the bathroom? I never heard of rampant attacks before. I just th- think politicians have created a problem uh, where there was no problem. They've been holding it for years. <laughs> <laughs> now, who, now who's got the gross fan fiction there, Shakespeare? Come on. <laughs> These sort of, you know, ordinances protecting transgender people from using the bathroom that matches their gender identity have been on the books in places like Dallas and Austin for for more than a decade. Um, You know, when when over the hero fight, part of what proponents of heroes said was, you know, there's no evidence that these sort of regulations or these sort of protections lead to an increase in sexual predation in bathrooms. I mean, it, it there then and that's been something that's been brought up several times that if this is about security and privacy, where where is the proof that these sort of regulations well, lead the, to the that? Well, the flip the flip side of this though is cuz I I appreciate the point of the question, but I want to ask a different version of the question, which is, is there evidence that there is suddenly an outbreak of men in women's bathrooms and we need a law against that? That's what the transgender community, but others who are opposed to this bill have said. Yeah. What problem are we trying to solve? If you take the author of the bill and the supporters of this bill, now it's authors plural, right? Because it's right. Donna Campbell, Brian Hughes, uh, uh, Lois Colcourse, Charles Perry, if you, and the lieutenant governor. So you take those folks at their word that this is purely about men in women's bathrooms and showers and locker rooms and not about the transgender community having access to bathrooms. Um, 
has there been an epidemic of men in women's bathrooms that we're not aware of that we're trying to solve? That's, that's often the question asked. Mm-hmm. I've not had a sufficient answer to that. The response is typically the public is for this. Right. Well, okay, but is there a problem we're trying to solve? Patrick has suggested that, not just Patrick, some others have suggested that if this law isn't passed because of, as you point out, ordinances that have been on the books for years, um, men who want to be uh, do horrible things in women's bathrooms would be able to take advantage of them. Yeah, I mean, that's he, the he, argument, but again... The argument that even if there aren't cases in the past where this has been an issue, with this on the books, bad people will take advantage of it. Yes, but again, it's, you know, it's in place in about five cities in Texas, mm-hmm. and that hasn't been the case. And mm-hmm. some of these laws have been on the books for a decade. When I interviewed the lieutenant governor last week, a questioner said, you know, there's an exception in this bill for custodial services. Lieutenant Governor said yes. So a man who is a custodian or a janitor mm-hmm. can enter a woman's bathroom. And yes, uh, under said, yes. the exception. And so yes. the woman said, well, hold on a second. Wouldn't it be possible for a, a predator, more easy for a predator not to go all not to go all Brian De Palma, you won't get this <laughs> reference, um, nope. uh, and, and cross-dress basically <laughs> to go into uh, a woman's bathroom and to do harm to somebody, but just to dress as a janitor and to go in there and do harm. I mean, I think there are lots of interesting questions that get to what is the actual public safety concern that we're trying to answer. I will say, since posting our annotated version of this bill, people have started emailing me questions. I'm going to start a bathroom column, per Matthew (laughs) Watkins' suggestion. But, you know, people have started emailing me. You're going to answer them all in pen on tile? (laughs) What are you going to do? Well, I've been getting, you know, people talking about their bathroom preferences and hypotheticals. (laughs) And one woman said, you know, the the line for the women's restroom is always so much longer than the men's restroom. So does this mean I can no longer use the men's restroom at places like this. Uh, so I would, I mean, jokingly, I would say oftentimes it's women going into the men's restroom. Is, does the law, by the way, preclude women going into men's restrooms? Yes, it, yes, must. it, it must, does. By, by I implication, mean, the, right? The, the rhetoric and, and yeah. the, you know, what's been, the, the statements around it is focused on women's privacy. But yes, this would also keep women from going and, into But no one is talking about women as predators in men's bathrooms. No. no. And one thing, just reading, if you haven't read Alexa Euros' annotation, you absolutely should, because I learned so much from it, but what one of the fascinating things about the bill is it doesn't go after the person who went into the bathroom that doesn't match their biological sex. Right. It goes after the facility for letting them do it mm-hmm. and potentially finding them. Right. But if you commit a, one of a list of crimes in a bathroom, a public bathroom, the penalty goes up yeah, it's, just it's because it was higher. in a bathroom. Yeah. Well, I'm sure we could talk about bathroom policy all day. I know we have Patrick's a lot of questions. We're not, we're not going to do that. <laughs> uh, we have a lot of questions. Um, I would urge our listeners to check out Alexa's uh, annotation on the bill and email her all your questions uh, about this <laughs> and policy. And your bathroom here's, preferences. Su- suggested here's column number. titles. Here's her home address. <laughs> Matthew Watkins is going to help with the column. Right. Yeah. There, there was an, another bit of uh, news this morning. Uh, State Representative Donna Dukes, a, a Democrat from Austin, uh, has been indicted. Uh, Minor on, news. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Slow morning. Um, Slightly less controversial. You know, <laughs> right. I think we all saw this coming, or at least the, saw the possibility of it coming. Um, how surprising is it in that context, um, and what's kind of the path forward for her now? Um, I, I guess I was surprised how fast it came. But mm-hmm. uh, the, the DA... When did the grand jury convene, was it? It was, it was earlier this week. Yeah. I guess I was surprised... I think, it was, grand, I think uh, it was Tuesday night, you know, a week after she was sworn in. Right, I guess I was just surprised the grand jury even convened that fast. But it seems like there was all these plans in the works for uh, this not to happen this way. Mm-hmm. Because uh, Donna Dukes was expected to resign yeah. uh, last week instead of getting sworn in. And the DA has said that was part of the arrangement. She was not going to get sworn in. And yeah. then they were going to move forward on her case. So had she, had she resigned, this wouldn't have happened? 
I, no, I, I, we don't know that, but it's possible maybe the grand jury would have come later. Maybe she would have accepted some sort of deal that wouldn't have needed a grand jury. I don't know, but it's it's clear that she had told the DA, I'm going to resign, and then backed out. It's messy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's three counts, and it's potentially up to 28 years in jail in total. Is that right? Yeah, I think right. so. Well, and it also doesn't help that she, you know, she's back in the Capitol where reporters have some sort of access to her every day her she seat is right, right next front. to the press table <laughs> yeah i mean i, I think if, if you know if she right. had Le- lesson one <laughs> if you're going to allegedly break the wall yeah. do it only if you sit in the middle of the <laughs> where we can't reach you floor. um uh, she was on facebook earlier this morning i mean i don't even think that the indi- the news of the indictments had been confirmed i think it was karina kling's show or uh, yeah, Spectrum, Spectrum had, it, yeah. had, had broken it first and people reported off of their reporting. Yeah. But mm-hmm. before it had even been widely confirmed, she was on Facebook saying, with regard to these indictments, I knew they were coming. I plan to plead not guilty. Yeah. She doesn't seem to be uh, uh, going quietly and she doesn't seem to be yeah. going, period, at least for now. Mm-hmm. Right? She's, yeah. she's right. intending she to remain. Stay. And, you know, I thought that Marissa Evans's and Alex Samuels' story yesterday, mm-hmm. you know, which made a point that was on the one hand obvious, but on the other hand, Baird saying, and that is that her constituents are basically saying, WTF. Yeah. You know, we have somebody now at the Capitol representing us and our interest who ha- has been completely crippled politically, is going to get nothing done, is not going to be able to represent us. Yeah. Is a legitimate question and, and point, right? Well, especially after they, you know, they thought they were going to get a new representative after right. complaints about her representation in the last two years. And now it's, you know, they've been just, things have been changing on them frequently. Correct. And I don't think she's suffered any public political pains throughout this i don't i haven't seen any fellow democrats uh, speaking out about it um i mean republicans make you know the prediction they're also she not is, coming out Vela, who right. is the republican oh yeah her, her right? would be is uh, she Vela yeah. the republican is that right he's a democrat it's gabriel gabriel uh neela he's the neela. Republican. yeah I, gabriel neela has said i mean she, you know chito Vela and and cheryl cole who are the two democrats who've both announced that they want to run have not they're not happy about this, obviously. Yeah, but there yeah. also hasn't been like a you know a wave of Democrats saying yeah. we're standing with you. I mean, when Rick Perry was you, you mean the reverse, so not yeah, just yeah. people cutting her off with the knees, but right. saying I think that's telling too. We're with, yeah. we're with. I mean, yeah, especially she's been in the legislature what since the early nineties. I mean, and this is her twelfth session, I think, her twelfth term. She's I a known commodity. <laughs> and the fact so, that not a yeah. single member of the legislature has come out to publicly support her that is really telling. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm being told by Bobby that the grand jury convened yesterday uh, for one hour, uh, just to follow up on what we were talking about mm-hmm. earlier. We have a question from Thanks, Megan Bobby. about Donna Dukes. If Dukes resigns and actually goes through with it, could she still avoid a trial at this point? How binding are the grand jury indictments? Um, I imagine things are pretty set in stone. I'm not a, a lawyer. but Well, I'm, I mean, Rick Perry got his thrown out, right? But you have to go through that whole— Oh, yeah, sure. There's yeah. no guarantee yeah. right now that she's right. going to go to and, you know, the trial. And so the governor will have to call a special if she does resign, yeah. and that there's a— process in place for the amount of right. time that has to take yeah. place in and everything else. And effectively, the Democrats, who are already essentially at a one-third to two-thirds minority in, a, in yeah. a minority in the House, would lose a Democratic vote for the bulk of the session, because I don't think they could really conduct this special election overnight. They're going to have to wait a while. I mean, that's assuming, yeah, right. Assuming if, she, she, if she were to resign. Right. right. So, I mean, she all, could, if... Uh, does that vote make that much of a difference, though, on most big issues? No, but I mean, you know, it's it's still a vote that you know Donna Dukes typically votes with the Democrats on things. You know, I think that her I think constituents definitely don't get a vote. Yeah, her constituents do not get a vote. It's not out of the question that there might be a bill where, I mean, there are very close votes. Also, special elections have been such you know disasters of late in terms of who turns out. Just look at what happened in San yeah, Antonio. Exactly. I mean, maybe the Republicans win that seat and they run against her corruption if they've been a special election. You know, yeah. with nothing else on the ballot. 
exactly. Uh, Joe Strauss was asked about this about Dukes this morning by a few reporters, and he said that's uh, you know that's between her and her constituents. Can't you ask me about the bathroom bill again? <laughs> Let's keep talking about bathrooms. <laughs> um, but he said let the process uh, play out. Just just for the record, um, one other question about Donna Dukes. Will Donna Dukes turn herself in today? I think we were discussing. Oh, this, mugshot. Uh, based on other reports oh, uh, that that there's a possibility that may happen. Are you writing fan today. fiction? His in fan your head fiction. Again? His fan no, fiction just, now has art. No, I love the Ken Paxson mugshot, and I love the Rick you Perry mugshot. You have a mugshot. cover for your story. No, I have a mugshot tumbler, actually. I'm going <laughs> to add to my mugshot tumbler. No, I'm, that's, that's Perry, Paxton, who else? Uh, Tom DeLay. Yeah. Oh, right. I don't think that's the answer is that. Yeah, so, so the, the answer to that question is we think so based on other people's reporting. We're looking into that ourselves right mm-hmm. now, I believe. Um, another topic uh, regarding the legislature that we've been talking about over the past 24 hours is the release of the uh, House and Senate uh, budgets yesterday. Um, the proposals start nearly $8 billion apart. Uh, just a quick top-line numbers here. The House is at $221.3 billion over two years, and the Senate is at $213.4 billion. Um, what do these budgets tell us about the priorities of each chamber, and uh, how meaningful are those, those differences? What do we uh, learn this, about this, the The Senate's budget is austere. The House's budget is austere, just less austere. The notable fact about the House's budget is that the amount they're proposing in the draft version is greater than the revenue estimate. Mm-hmm. Right, and so that, I mean, that's clear that the House seems interested in tapping the rainy day fund. And in fact, Drew Darby, who may very well be the appropriations chair in the House this time, said pointedly the other day, mm. we basically need to look at taking money out of the rainy day fund. It's going to have almost $12 billion in it, a record by the time this biennium is over. We have a floor that we have to maintain. We can absolutely maintain the floor and also dip in. If it's not raining now, when yeah. is it going to be raining? Yeah, he said it was designed for times like these right now. Well, the problem is the the reason the rainy day fund was started and what it means now is different. And uh, Rick Perry, in his last budget that he gave to the legislature, had something in there that said the rainy day fund should always have 7.5% of general revenue so that we keep a good credit rating. Rainy Day Fund was never planned for that, but that's what he said is the function of the Rainy Day Fund now, and that would mean billions and millions of dollars. Yeah, but you could, there. but you could do that and still have. I mean, again, theoretically, there's going to be as much as four or five billion dollars, if the predictions or projections are correct, at mm-hmm. the end of the biennium that would be over and above that right. floor. And also, just to be clear, Perry created that number. Uh, Susan Combs, comptroller at the time, said. Basically implied, I have no idea where you got that number he from. Just, <laughs> the 7.5% from his nether region. Is but, but there are a lot of Republicans in the House and Senate who believe that you should never tap the fund on, for a recurring expense. So if you were to tap yeah. it for education or Medicaid or anything like that, they a, a lot of them would just outright say, no, that's not what the fund yeah. is for. I, I mean, I thought it was interesting on, on the Senate side. I, I, correct me if I read this wrong, but I'm pretty sure that their budget, their health budget, or the number that they set aside for that doesn't actually take into... Um, they don't consider population growth. I mean, when you're talking about Medicaid and and health and human services provided, I mean, this is, I mean, population, the population is growing regardless of this, but this is one of those areas where that growth pulls from. I mean, when you talk about Medicaid babies and some of those services provided to poor women. The the smack talk from the House is that the Senate's budget is not even real. I mean, that it's basically, it's a document that is more political than anything else, and that it doesn't take the fact that it doesn't take into account that uh, population growth, it, it just shows that it's not a serious budget, of course. But the Senate's response will be we have to live within our means. We passed a conservative budget last time. Everybody complained that we didn't spend enough. Turns out, because of the oil price drop, we were the right ones on this. And they're going to stick to their guns, presumably, as long as they can and spending less. Look, I thought it was very interesting. I'm obsessed with this idea that the Trump presidency is going to change the math on the budget in Texas. Yeah. In time, though, I mean, well, apparently not. That's the problem. 
Senate put in $800 million for border security in their budget, and the House put in $663 million. So even if you figure that one of them is going to move or the other one's going to move or both, you're still probably looking at a significant expenditure on border security. I, I, I doubt, for instance, that they're going to go down from the House's number, that the Senate would accept you know, $200 million or $400 million. We've actually been hearing from some people in the Senate that they're not on board with another $800 million. That, that it's not it's not as unified as you would think as well, everyone's for it. Uh, I, I would love to have any Republican members because the Republicans ultimately have enough votes to pass this budget, whether the yeah. Democrats vote yes or not. I'd mm -hmm. love to hear a Republican member come forward on the record and say, I oppose $800 million in border security. Until I do, I'm going to be skeptical mm -hmm. that, that, that the Senate they can do again. the Trump <laughs> cast in Trump. Yeah. Uh, speaking of the Trump presidency, uh, we have a presidential inauguration coming up uh, on Friday. Uh, but before that, we also have Rick Perry's confirmation hearing uh, tomorrow. He's obviously been nominated to be Donald Trump's energy secretary. Um, our reporter, Abby Livingston, had a pretty thorough look at what he's doing to prepare and what the stakes are for him. Uh, what are the stakes, Mon? Well, that's, for a lot of people, the thing they still remember from him is oops. And, you know, this is a really kind of high-pressure mm -hmm. moment, uh, this hearing. So if he comes off eloquent and mm -hmm. knows his stuff, that could be kind of a redeeming moment for him. On the other hand, the bar has been lowered, <laughs> right? These confirmation hearings have, have featured Trump nominees completely contradicting the guy they're going to work for, saying things that turned out not to be true. Yeah. We've stopped caring about this stuff. I want I want him to walk in in a sequin one-piece bodysuit doing yeah. that that dance thing from uh, <laughs> Dancing with like the Stars. Yes. Secretary of High Energy. I want him. <laughs> I want him right in there for that. See, this is why you should listen to the Tripcast on Facebook, so you can see Evan. Evan do the, do the Rick Perry dance. <laughs> no, I, I think actually, I think Perry. Uh, it's so interesting. Perry is one of the least controversial of Trump's nominees. I know. It, it seems yeah. like he's not a big priority for Democrats who are like. There's no the chance he doesn't. He'd have to throw up on himself. He still could. He still get confirmed, right? I mean, there's not. There's no yeah. chance. And there's gonna be a lot of attention in Washington tomorrow on the inauguration. Mm -hmm. You know, just in terms of media focus and, and where the the storyline of the day is. So, um, it does seem like there's just not gonna be um, a lot of attention paid to it or a lot of uh, scrutiny by Democrats. But maybe then again, that could be all reverse <laughs> psychology. And this is be an all out <laughs> assault on, on Rick Perry by the Democrats. So we'll yeah. see how it plays out. I will point out that there is already a Secretary Perry Twitter handle. That very much unverified, matches. Right. Unverified. Is it this, but, is it like fake Ted Cruz? Well, I don't know, but <laughs> it looks like Governor Perry's profile too. Someone someone responded on Twitter and said that he should have used Secra Perry. Oh. <laughs> Hold it. So so so, time. so is the name it, is the, on the confirmation process. Does the at Governor Perry Twitter feed still work? Yes. But then there's also an there at is Secretary also Perry. an at Secretary Perry Twitter feed. But you don't know who's doing it. I don't know. I just found it this morning. Yeah. It's out there, though. I think, yeah, Abby had a great quote in her story from a Demo Senate Democratic aide, oh, right. which said there are bigger fish to fry, and yeah. I think that kind of sums up what the expectations are heading. Yeah, I mean, at, at Secretary Guppy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at some point, at some point, some Democratic, it was either DNC or, or someone involved with them, put out the list of like the the nominees and they, they were targeting. Post had a story. All right, right yeah. they, and, they and, were, he, and Perry wasn't on it. Right, well, they're he going doesn't after rise the Hardy's to, guy, but they're not yeah. going after Perry. I mean, yeah, he yeah. just doesn't rise to the level of you know in terms of Tillerson and, and True. Sessions. I mean, really, I mean, in and any other Republican presidential administration, Perry would be near the top of their list of like we have to target him, we have to bring him down, and yeah. it's just He's amazing. He's a generic Republican this time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, really you, ever, you ever eat at a Hardee's, Sweet Tech? Of course I have. Yeah. Have yeah, yeah. I've traveled through the, the Mid Atlantic before. I think good? that's where they're. Is that where they are? Is it good? Hardee's is okay. It's okay. I'm not. 
It's like Carl's Jr., right? Yeah, 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 same thing, right? They, they, they both seem yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. well versed. You have pretty high expectations. Food choices. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. I, I, I'm amazed at what this generation eats. I'm well versed in regional <laughs> right, fast food chains. Regional, regional fast regional food chains. It's a hell of a specialty. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Is that like what, the Whataburger? What? What? Whataburger? Is oh, that Whataburger. a regional? <laughs> Whataburger yeah. would oh, qualify <laughs> as a regional <laughs> fast food chain. Going commercial right here. Whataburger? I am. I am. I love it. One last topic on the look ahead to the end of this week is the actual inauguration itself. He I, gets feel like, <laughs> He's I feel doing like here great. in Texas, we've heard more, as released as the inauguration, we've heard more about the Texas Democrats who are boycotting it. Mm-hmm. Um, but a I bunch think, of Texas Republicans are going. Yeah, exactly. Right? We should there's, a, there's a big party, Abbott, right? Patrick. Uh, Pax, Miller. Paxton, Paxton going? I don't know for sure. George P. Bush was going to go until not going his, because his, of his father, grandfather, grandfather was hospitalized. Yeah, and why are we? Why do we have the Beach Boys playing at the Texas party? Why is it California is, know, banned? For all that we hate California, it's we're having the Beach Boys. And we can't even get Brian Wilson. And also, it's not even Brian Wilson. <laughs> it's Mike Love. It's Good Vibrations Beach Boys, not Pet Sounds Beach Boys. <laughs> You didn't even you know what I'm talking take about. Take it up with I the do. congressional yeah, yeah. delegation. I have an issue with this. Aren't they from Indiana? They're from Indiana. The, the Beach Cal- Boys? Yeah, Kalamazoo. Yeah. Right? Yeah, see, it all comes I back to you. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Mike Love has been to a Hardee's. I'm not. Period. Paragraph. Yeah. Texas has nothing against Indiana, so that's why they're playing. I hope that's what you think. Absolutely do. But yes, so right now we're up to how many Texas Congress members? Three, and a few still haven't said for sure. I, yeah. I keep going. How, how did Beto O'Rourke and Mark Vesey make the decision that they're going, mm-hmm. given their given their political profiles, and in Beto O'Rourke's case, given his political aspirations? How did Vesey and O'Rourke justify going if Castro, Doggett, and Al Green have said they're not going? Well, a lot of them have not made clear yet whether they're marching on Saturday. So I wonder if some of them are going to go to the inauguration, but then the next day they'll be make sure they're seen marching. We're now up to more than 50 members of the House, right? 50 Democrats who are not going? M- more than. Over. More than. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, I find it interesting. I think in the past, some of these members, especially of the opposing party, have skipped the inauguration. Well, been a in big fact, John deal. Lewis, apparently in, con- yeah. in contrast to what he said <laughs> the other day, had actually skipped Bush 43's first inauguration. Yeah. That he, he said this was the first time he had skipped an inauguration, I believe, and, and in mm-hmm. fact, he had skipped Bush's. No, it's not, it's not that big a surprise, but it's just in the context of this yeah, time, it seems like a bigger deal. It's being made into a political Well, and certainly the numbers of people skipping it. Yes. Overall, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think Abby too. She tweeted a statement this morning from uh, Congressman Gene Green, Democrat from the Houston area, mm-hmm. I believe, it's who said he, he is attending, and he said he's going to attend for the reasons that Secretary Clinton's going to attend, which is, uh, you know, to peaceful bring transfer help, of power, peaceful transfer of power, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And I think I've seen a few other statements from Democrats in Texas saying why they they will attend. So certainly, it's not like there's uh, uniform opposition to the idea of attending the inauguration. Mm-hmm. So. Yep. Great. All right. Well, that's all the time we have. If you have questions or comments, email them to tribcast at texastribune.org. Thanks to Shiny Ribs for our music. On behalf of Evan, Alexa, Amon, and our producers Todd and Bobby, this is Patrick. Thanks for listening. Texas talking. Texas Shame you. No. Why? How many reasons do you want? Shall I list them alphabetically? <laughs>